Stu Does America. Head to blazetv.com slash Stu and help us push back against the rapid, unscheduled disassembly of America. Use the promo code Stu to save 10 bucks. If you're watching on YouTube, like the video right now, hit the bell for notifications, subscribe to the channel as well. Marty Bent is going to be here in a minute to uh, make an interesting argument. Uh, let the U.S. default on its debt. We'll get into why here in a second. AOC is marketing herself a victim. Yes, once again, I'll tell you what she's doing this time. But we'll start by doing a tsunami of pride. Yes, one of the deadly sins coming in tsunami form. Long gone are the days that we're proud to be an American. Now our pride reaches so many different nether regions. And that's very important for all of us to embrace in full. Now, it's also important for you to realize that, of course, it's appropriate that yesterday, if you had a relative who died fighting for our country, they got 24 big hours to be remembered. But now we'll get 30 full days of thinking about genitals and where they go, uh, because that's something we should all be proud of. Yes, your genitals, they're wonderful, and we love talking about them constantly for the entire month of June. This is going to be great. Um, now, one thing I think we need to prepare ourselves for is we just had a couple of these scandals around the pride stuff uh, controversies Bud Light and Target and all this the month hasn't started yet pride month is still two days away this is going to be overwhelming and a lot of these companies have already made their plans for pride month so they didn't really not really have a chance to react to all of the last craziness over the past couple of weeks when it comes to the pushback against it. Their plans are locked in. We're going to see it all happen. This is going to be an adventure. I just can't wait. And if you're wondering how the big protests we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks are playing out, week seven now of the Bud Light situation and a seventh consecutive increase uh, when it comes to the success of this, um, I guess you'd call it a boycott. Well, I, I never liked that term. But a lot of people making the decision they don't want to drink Bud Light anymore. I think it was 28% last week. This week, 29.5%. Those are brand new numbers in uh, today. 29.5% drop from uh, last year, the same period uh, last year. This is incredible. I mean, I, you know, there's been tons of articles written about this, about how people believe this would just blow over, how this would be gone. You can go back and find after two or three weeks people saying, I think we've reached the peak of this Bud Light thing. But here we are now down almost 30 percent. It's remarkable, remarkable. And I don't know if there's a bounce back coming here. Maybe there will be. But, you know, the problem is there's not a lot of passion for Bud Light. It's more of just like, eh, it's available. I'll have it. So we'll have to see. Uh, where this goes from here. And, and we should note that going into next month, in June, there are going to be 9 million different things that come out. They've got rainbow flags everywhere and crazy messaging everywhere. And the, the issue that I think we all have to think about is if this is going to be a success and people who are looking to push back a little bit here and just at least trim the edges of the craziness, if that's going to be a success, we can't be fighting 9 million battles at the same time. We need to be able to understand and pick our battles as well as possible. And I thought it would be worth looking into this. What is the best formula for a boycott? I kind of, you know, I kind of pushed this out here uh, in, on Friday's show uh, with Dan Andros. We were kind of discussing and tossing around what is the right thing to look for when you go through one of these pushbacks. Because 
Honestly, if you just pick everything that's offensive, you're going to be overwhelmed and you're not going to be win any of these battles. How do you do it in a way that is successful, that sends the right message, that shows other companies that, you know what, maybe you shouldn't do this next time. Or at least if you're going to do something like this, make it somewhat sane. Keep it away from our kids. You know, make it so every single place we walk into is not a conversation about where someone might be putting their genitals. I mean, that's the, I, I don't think that's a... It's a high bar to clear, but for this society right now, it kind of is. So even though I don't like the word boycott, let's call it anyway the boycott formula. And let's look at some of the things that I think have made something like Bud Light a success. And on the other hand, have made so many other attempts by conservatives to do this stuff into failures. What are the right targets for this? And Target is, of course, an appropriate example here. And it starts, I think, right here with the organic start. You can't manufacture this. I know I'm calling it a formula. I understand there's a little bit of a, of a strange uh, dynamic going on there. But it's true that it needs to start organically. You know, of course, outrage starts organically all the time in the social media era. There's no shortage of organic outrage. But it is important to, it can't just be astroturfed. You can't just say, I, we want to do this, let's plan it. It needs to be something that starts from a real place, an authentic place, because people can pick up when you're, when you're faking it. You can't do it by formula only, but you can apply a formula to help you look at the best options in a field like this. Okay, next up, a company with a non-ideological mission. I think this one's really important. And, you know, it's one of those things that if you target Ben and Jerry's, you're going to get a company that is much more um, interested in left-wing nonsense and Bernie Sanderism and seemingly anti-Semitism uh, than selling ice cream. That's, they care more about that. They are an ideological company first. Their owners are ideological, even though I know they've sold to large companies, but like that's what they want. So there's gonna be, getting them to back down off of one of their decisions is not always going to be very successful. On the other hand, if you take a company that is, might be woke uh, with their messaging at times, but instead is really just trying to sell a bunch of crap and they think you know, it's going to benefit their ESG score or it's going to connect with youth culture to do all this nonsense, but they really just want to please everybody because they want to sell a bunch of crap, well, that's a much better target than someone like a Ben & Jerry's who has an ideological stance. Next place in the boycott formula, a mass appeal product. I think one of the issues here is if you pick a really niche product that's only targeting one side or only targeting a very small percentage of the people, um, you're going to wind up having trouble moving uh, a lot of individuals because they're already playing to a small audience and that audience is pretty dedicated to them. If you go for a mass market product, something big like a Bud Light or a Target, you get to see something that's a, a little bit more you have more potential because they, they think in terms of losing a few percent as being a big deal. You go to some niche brand and they lose a few percent, they're probably going to deal with it and ride the storm out. You want to go to somebody who's really going to feel the pressure of shareholders and everybody else as you go through this. Uh, next up, and this is a, the big, big Bud Light lesson, I think, right here, is if you want to pick one of these companies, you've got to pick somebody that's got an easy substitute. And I know that might be depressing to you. You might say, well, it shouldn't matter. If there's an easy substitute, we should be able to stand up for what is right, no matter what the cause is. And of course, I say this all the time. I don't know if people even listen to me, but I don't care about organized boycotts. That's not how I look at these things. But 
So you, you should be able to make any decision you want. I'm not saying you shouldn't boycott a company that you have a problem with. Of course you should. If you have a problem with a company and you don't want to do business with them, don't do business with them. But I'm talking about like the push of, of conservative media, the focus of politicians, the, the focus of conservative culture. As a whole, if you pick something that's really hard to substitute as a boycott target, it's going to be really hard to win. Bud Light has been really successful because people don't really care about Bud Light. It's just watery beer to them. And so there's 55,000 other watery beers they can easily switch to. Now, of course, as we've noted on the show, when you switch to one of these other watery beers, you're likely doing business with a company that believes the same crap Bud Light does. But still, it's about sending that big message. And that message has been received by, I think, Bud Light at this point. I mean, I don't know how many more Clydesdales they can trot out to make this, uh, little, this uh, smooth this thing over, but I don't know that it's going to work. And when I say there's an easy substitute, uh, let me give you an example of a place where there's not an easy substitute. And you wonder if a, a quote-unquote boycott would work against a company like this. And, uh, and this company is the L.A. Dodgers. Now, if you're an L.A. Dodgers fan, and you've been an L.A. Dodgers fan for 25 years, moving over to the Padres is not really going to be possible. You're not going to all of a sudden love the Cubs. It's just not going to be a thing. The Dodgers are really important to you. So there's not really an easy substitute there. Now, what the Dodgers have done is so incredibly offensive. Of course, you speak up about it. But like when you're looking for success for them to change their minds, it's going to be difficult with something like the Dodgers. Now, the Dodgers have done a couple things. First, they withdrew. Uh, this uh, the invitation to make a community hero out of a group, uh, an anti-Catholic group that often does strip teases on the cross with Jesus on it. Yes, that's an actual real thing, and it's not a video I'm going to show you, but it does exist. Um, when you have that going on, it's so offensive, they wound up getting initial pushback and retreat, uh, re, uh, recalling that invitation. Then they got pushback from the left, and they invited them again. I mean, they're flailing all over the place. They don't know what they're doing. Their new thing is responding to uh, the people of faith that are, uh, yes, fans of the organization, but more importantly, in the organization, like maybe one of their best players of all time, uh, Clayton Kershaw. Now, Clayton Kershaw has announced a Christian faith and family day <laughs> at Dodger Stadium in an interestingly timed Instagram post that comes from OutKick. Uh, the post uh, here talks about it and get, kind of gives the dates, July 30th, 2023, Christian Faith and Family Day. And, you know, Clayton Kershaw is a really good guy, and he's very uh, much a man of faith. And this is probably a lot of his influence from inside, not necessarily protesting the organization from uh, the outside. Uh, but this is what they will try to do. They might move a little bit. But, like, if you're looking to empty out the stadium of Dodgers fans, you're going to have a real tough time doing that. You want to kill their TV ratings? Good luck with that. We saw how people try to protest the NFL. And despite, you know, you'd get those stories. Oh, the NFL viewership was down this percentage. You think the NFL is struggling at all? I, they're making more money than they've ever made. They're, they are more dominant in the culture than they've ever been, despite Colin Kaepernick taking a knee a zillion years ago. It really didn't make much of an impact because it's just tough. There's no substitute for the NFL. It's just, it is what it is. Uh, and I know a lot of people hate that, but it's true. And if you want to win these things, you probably want to target uh, these things, uh, these situations, the, the most systematic and well-thought-out way possible. So let's keep going. Next up, and this is kind of a minor one, but I think it's kind of important, and, I, and the Bud Light thing has helped this. Trackable results. Trackable results. And now, it's difficult to tell 
how a boycott is working most of the time. Bud Light has their sales numbers come out on Tuesday every single week. I know that because of the last seven weeks. And in fact, I waited until uh, I, I was constantly refreshing the news today to find out what the updated Bud Light number was. And it was down 29.5%. Uh, that number has increased every single week since all this started. Every single week, those numbers have, and when I say increased, I mean the percentage drop has increased every single week since this thing started. That's a big deal. Now, a lot of people will point to this, Target losing $10 billion in days as stocks fall following a boycott over LGBTQ-friendly kids' clothing. The thing about using a stock price as a trackable result is that there, there's a lot of different factors going into a stock price. There's a ton of stuff going on. You can measure it from one point at a high and try to make an argument that you know, you've, they've lost $10 billion, or you can go back a couple weeks earlier and they're up. Uh, the thing, you know, stock prices drop, they go up, they go down all the time. Anheuser-Busch stock has not really seen that massive a change. Now, they did fall uh, you know, several percent from where they were before all this started, but that had followed an increase in the weeks leading up to that. So really, over the past couple of months, they're about flat. Now, you can look at it and pick their high point and pick their low point and see a pretty decent number when you uh, multiply that over the cap market cap of a company. And, and that will work for a few days. But there's no reason to say that a few days later it could bounce back up. Unless it's a really long, consistent, trackable stock drop, you can't just throw out, oh, it's down two points today, therefore that's $10 billion or whatever. You can do it, but it's not really reliable, and these things are very finicky, so it's a little bit risky. Uh, next up, something that creates social pressure. And this one's really interesting, and I've, I've talked about a couple examples with this. I'll rehash them quickly if you've missed them. I was at a wedding. They had Bud Light there with all the other watery-down beers. I'm at a wedding. I feel like a beer, a nice watery beer, uh, is a good wedding drink. And so I, I looked at it, and I saw the Bud Light. It's probably what I would have chosen normally. Instead, I went with something else. I think it was Miller Lite. The point there is that I didn't want to have a conversation about you know, Dylan Mulvaney's genitals at the wedding. That was really what it wound up, really where it came from. I'm not even saying, you know, even if I, I mean, I'm not a big boycott guy, but like, even if I was, you just would like, I don't know, you want to avoid the uncomfortability of this. Another example was I, uh, I brought in, I don't know, some, some uh, drinks from home uh, here, you know, you need like uh, tequila and, and, and whiskey or whatever. And I brought them in and I brought them in in a bag that I just grabbed out of our pantry. It's been there for probably three months. It was a Target bag. Didn't even notice it. Brought it in and our own Glenn Beck said, hey, what, you're really shopping at Target now? Like, there's becoming a negative association with Target. Just being at Target, talking about Target. I got this at Target online. Get you comments that say, why are you shopping at Target? And a lot of people just want to avoid that conversation. They just don't, just like they want to avoid thinking about Dylan Mulvaney's genitals when they order a beer, they don't want to think about being, they don't want to get into a boycott conversation with everybody when they go and buy paper towels. Why not go to Walmart this week? Now, of course... <laughs> As we've covered before, Walmart is going to have the same crap going on. Amazon's going to have the same crap going on. It's really hard to avoid this stuff completely. But sending a cohesive message can warn off these other companies so that they say, you know what, let's not be the next target. Let's not be the next Bud Light. Maybe we don't make these dumb decisions uh, this time. So creating social pressure is one way that, you know, the, the Bud Light thing has been so successful. People just don't want to be seen with one right now. And that really hurts the brand. Next up, is it central to our... Mission. We talked about non-ideological companies before, but what about our mission? 
And I think we have seen some mission creep here, and we need to be a little just aware of it. Um, I'm not saying that what, you know, what has gone on so far has been a problem, but I do think you know, for a very long time we were pretty strict with the messaging on this, which was, look, we're not going to sit here and protest your nightclub with a drag show. Do what you want in a nightclub for adults. What we're pissed off about is you keep putting this stuff in front of children, and that's a real problem. Over-sexualizing children is what we're talking about here. That's our line. Stop it. Interestingly enough, the, the Dylan Mulvaney thing is not a great example of that. You know, it's, it caught on because it was so in her face, and I think everyone was so sick of the pandering of it. That was, that was frustrating. But on the other side of it, you know, the Dylan Mulvaney thing, we're talking about a product that's aimed at adults. You must be 21 or older to drink it. Uh, so, you know, it's not really central to the mission. The Target thing, I think, is closer to that, largely because I think some of the clothing was actually made for children. But also, it was right in front of the stores. So when you walk in, you can't have a, a normie capitalism uh, uh, experience in there, to use uh, Jennifer Say's term from, uh, from last week. You can't have that because you walk in and you've got rainbows and you've got, you know, uh, LGBTQQIA2 plus slogans. You got to have this conversation with your kids and that's not what you want. Again, the social pressure is there. I don't want to walk into Target because I don't want to have that conversation. And that's part of this here. We just need to make sure that we don't lose the plot. It's important to understand that, you know, what we've been talking about for a long time is how this affects kids and how we want that gone. And if we start protesting every single thing, we're going to have too much mission creep and there's no way to uh, to win these things. So I, I wanted to take a look and that's just part, part of it. Honestly, I had a few more too. Glenn uh, and I are probably going to talk about this a little bit on radio tomorrow. But let me give you a quick rundown of your upcoming Possible protest targets. Here we go. Coming up for Pride Month. Let's just blow through these and see what we have. We have Skull Candy. They've got a Pride product, which is coming out soon. Here it is. These fancy, colorful headphones. Is that a good target? Eh, you know, who cares if they have rainbow headphones? I don't really care. Uh, how about Disney? Now, Disney, I feel like it's already been going on. Aren't we kind of already in the middle of that one? Maybe so, but there's new fuel for the fire. Here is Nick, the fairy godmother. Well, my name's Nick. I'm one of Fairy Godmother's Apprentices. I'm here to shop you around and make all your selections for the day. Oh, gosh. I mean, seriously. I mean, the Disney one's already ongoing. That one seems like a pretty good target. Again, they're pretty ideological as a company. They don't seem to care that much whether you go or not. But it's still pretty, pretty offensive. Madonna is coming to Apple Fitness Plus playlist to celebrate Pride Month. Again, Apple is so ideological, and Madonna's so weird looking at this point. I don't even know. I, I don't want to think about her any more than I have to. Dockers is releasing a new gender-neutral collection to celebrate Pride Month. Am I alone? Here they, here's what they look like. Am I alone? Did, I, did you know that Dockers still existed? Like, I remember Dockers from, like, back in the 80s, but no, apparently they're gone. Reebok. Uh, unveils its genderless collection for Pride Month. We've done the shoe thing before with Nike. I don't know. I mean, you can certainly avoid buying Reeboks. But, you know, it's again, another one of these that might make sense is buying a product consistently. You buy one pair of shoes, and a year later, you buy another pair of shoes. I don't know. Maybe that, that's, that one might be hard to enforce as well. Starbucks releasing a new name, uh, rainbow cup and tumbler. Again, very ideological uh, company. Might be tough. Ugg is releasing a new collection of Ugg. Lee uh, shoes and such. Uh, here they are, and uh, they're very rainbow flavored. You get the point. Kohl's is another one. Kohl's is an interesting one. They faced shopper uproar after becoming the latest retailer to market LGBTQ clothing to children. A huge, huge problem. Maybe Kohl's is next. It feels like that one's building momentum right now. What do we do next? And I guess the answer here is probably 
I don't know, something really careful. Maybe none of these. Maybe our focus should be taking the two that are really big right now and making sure those work out. Because here's the problem. Sending a message to a company is really important in this moment, right? And you send a message when you boycott successfully, when you protest successfully. When the Bud Light comes down, that thing has really sent a message to that company. How they react to it, we don't know long term. But generally speaking, they have sent a message and they've sent a message to everybody else. Watch what you're doing in this space. Target, maybe the same way. The problem is if one of these things starts and it fails, it sends the opposite message. It's not no message. It's a message of, hey, if we ride this out, we can get away with all this stuff. We just have to keep pushing through it. That's, the, that's much worse than doing nothing. So you have to pick these targets very, very carefully. And we should all think about it. I'd love to get, if you uh, have more ideas for what these lines should be, drop them in the comments below. We'll go through and maybe bring back a bunch more tomorrow because we better get this stuff right or the, the culture is going to push not our way, but the opposite way. You know, I think the most important thing uh, about sleep, yeah, comfortable mass- mattress is, of course, very uh, important for sleep. But I think the underrated thing is temperature. If you're too hot, if you're too cold, uh, you have a nightmare when it comes to sleep. That's why you got to try Miracle Made's bed sheets. They're inspired by NASA. Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes te- temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at night. Uh, in any temperature, uh, it's going to keep you comfortable. Traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat, which is incredibly gross. Uh, Miracle Made, however, offers a whole line of self-cleaning, bacteria-preventing bedding. Try Miracle.com/stew is the place to go to try Miracle Made sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a great uh, gift, Father's Day coming up, great gift for Father's Day, you can save over 40% right now if you use the promo code Stew at checkout. You get three free towels as well, save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product; it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash stew. Use the code stew to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40%. Again, it's trymiracle.com slash stew to treat yourself with Miracle Made bed sheets. Well, here I am. I feel like I should be a cartoon dog sitting at a table with a coffee cup and flames all around me saying, this is fine. This is fine. We have a deal, boys and girls. Everything's going to be fine. This is what we all get, and we can all celebrate today. I hope you're celebrating at home. Uh, The debt deal, apparently, is going to come to fruition, if if they can get the votes at least. Uh, Biden and McCarthy came together on something uh, over the weekend. We'll get into that maybe in the details here in a little bit. But I want to bring on Marty Bent. Uh, He's coming back to the program. He's the founder of TFTC and the co-founder of Standard Bitcoin. Marty, thanks for coming on the program. Thanks for having me back, Stu. I hope you're as excited as I am, Marty. I don't know how closely you're following the inner machinations of the back and forth between these two parties that seem a lot like one party at times. Um, What's your kind of uh, 50,000-foot view of all of this craziness? Uh, It's just more of the same. Uh, as to be expected with the uniparty. The debt ceiling is really just a mirage. There is no ceiling on the debt, and whether uh, you have Republicans in power or Democrats in power, the ceiling's going to get raised. And at this point, I've decided to focus my energies on actionable things like Bitcoin that can actually make a material difference in 
the massive problem that is our national debt uh, by defunding <laughs> the government's ability to, to keep raising the limit and printing more money and sending us down this treacherous path that uh, is exhausting at this point. It really is exhausting. And I, I mean, I think part of this is it keeps happening over and over again. We have this fake ceiling that we have, and I know you've written about this, where every time we come close to the ceiling, it gets easier and easier to raise. It feels like there's no repercussions coming from it, despite the fact that we've been feeling a lot of repercussions with inflation and so many other things over the past few years. Yet our, the, our system and the way it's built right now seems to have no legitimate ability to deal with it. No, it doesn't have any. Well, there's two ways that we could deal with it. We could think about our children and the long lasting effects that raising the debt ceiling has on them in terms of uh, essentially debt slavery that is thrust onto them or and, and that path leads to a default on the debt in a, in a soft fashion, a soft default, which is the inevitable debasement of the dollar um, and its efficacy as a currency. Or we could have the adult conversation, the hard conversation, recognize that we have dug ourselves into a massive hole that we're not likely to climb out of doing you know, more of the same that's been done over the last five decades and have an honest, open conversation where people, particularly millennials and uh, people who are younger in the Gen X generation to say, hey, uh, let's be honest here. I'm not expecting Social Security. I'm not expecting Medicare or Medicaid um, when I retire. And uh, I don't think that we should be funding all these wars, all these pipe dreams, uh, in the energy sector and taking U.S. tax dollars and just setting them on fire, essentially, and then adding debt on top of that. Yeah, it really does seem uh, like we have there's no end to that uh, on the horizon. Obviously, there's not even a consideration, Marty, of saying, hey, you know, the debt ceiling. OK, we've had it for a long time. It doesn't seem to be effective. Maybe like the answer to this is to actually change what we're doing. Like maybe we look at this country and try to run it in a way where we spend less than we take in, or at least get on a path to do that. Instead, we have a media that is telling us all the time, you know, it's offensive that we would, we would even ask for any cuts. It's offensive that you'd even ask for any reductions in future spending, which they call cuts. What they want to seem to do is to just remove all limits so they can constantly print new credit cards to charge more nonsense, more turtle tunnels, more crazy pet projects, and with no sense as to what this is doing to future generations. No, it's, it's incredibly sad, incredibly irresponsible. And again, that's why I focus on Bitcoin, because a lot of these spending you know, these spending deals are really seeped in the fact that the government feels comfortable that they can keep extending the debt ceiling, keep raising it, and keep going down the path of adding all of these massive spending bills because they have the ability to issue treasuries ad nauseum if they want to, and they can team up with the Fed to print more dollars as well. And so they don't really have any guardrails which are preventing them from from doing this. And that's why I'm a big believer that we need to return to 
sound money in the United States to create a sort of natural guardrail that really doesn't allow them to print money ex nihilo. And I believe Bitcoin is that solution to this particular problem. And then from there, we can have, <clears throat> excuse me, we can have an actual natural interest rate return to the markets and help us price opportunity costs to make better capital allocation decisions on a whole instead of having the system completely corrupted by uh, the Fed and the Treasury's ability to print money out of nowhere, corrupting interest rates, which affects capital allocation, which leads to extreme waste, as we've seen. Like nobody, like who wants to pay for any more of the forever wars, for any more of the bridges to nowhere in the energy sector, um, to a, a social security system that is structurally a Ponzi scheme. Again, it's time that we have the hard conversation and say, hey, this is a, a problem with two solutions. We take the, the soft default, uh, which will lead us to a road of ruin, and the problems will be far worse when we finally um, when the when things go bust because we printed too much money or we can have the hard conversation now take some pain now the, the other option is not painless either but i think it's time to, to have adult conversations about this topic thinking of our children and grandchildren because as a father with two young boys under the age of four uh i i would feel incredibly irresponsible and sad if we were to fast forward 20 years and we're still kicking the can down the road and their ability to operate in the economy was significantly hindered because of the poor mistakes we made today. Yeah, you made this argument in, in your piece, uh, take on, take, in your newsletter, uh, take on the burden now so our children don't have to. And I've got a couple younger kids as well, uh, 10 and 11. And, you know, this has been a, something that has been part of the discussion for a long time when it comes to our national debt and our addiction to it. Which is to say, like, okay, we're punishing future generations. We need to. We can't do that. That's bad. It's been something politicians have said forever, but it really does feel more intense. Number one, having children and thinking about that more in real terms, but secondarily, like, it is much more intense. We started this this uh, you know century at what five trillion dollars of debt. Now we're talking about $31.4 trillion, and that's even not enough. There's no end in sight. The only question is to when we have another negotiation or another one of these conversations. It's going up exponentially now. And the pain, if we wait, is going to be incredibly harsh. I'd love to come up. I mean, I think our best case scenario here is to come up with a way to just actually run the country with some sanity. But because that's not around the corner, I don't know what else to do other than try to maybe minimize the pain on our kids and our grandkids. Is it as intense as are you feeling this way as well, like I am, Marty? <clears throat> yeah, totally. If you compare what's going on today in terms of the the growth rate of the debt here in the united states to hyperinflationary events throughout history whether it be uh, ancient rome the weimar republic what happened in venezuela um over the last 30 years i mean we're we're on that trajectory you don't know what's happening as it's happening we'll only know in retrospect but if you have the temperance and the ability to take a step back and try to evaluate things and compare them to past trends i mean we're in the middle of a debt spiral that is going to end in ruin it's going to end in the debasement of the dollar and it's going to end in a lot of misery for a lot of people who believe that the politicians 
in control actually have control and can navigate this this debt problem efficiently, which is, is it's mathematically impossible to get out of it uh, doing the same thing that we have been doing uh, for the last couple decades. Uh, we, we really need to think creatively. And again, you know, I've been bringing Bitcoin into the conversation a couple times, but that is because I do believe that is the creative roundabout way that we can take the power of money printing away from the government and the central bank and return it to the free market where uh, more uh, responsible decisions will be made because the uh, politicians and the central bankers, they're able to make these decisions without consequences, as is evidenced by the career politicians that uh, we find in D.C. and the lack of repercussions for central bankers who who force these easy monetary policies on the market as well. That's We need to return, again, that's why opportunity cost is important in having a, fr a free-floating interest rate that's decided by the market and not the central bank or the government to return because that returns opportunity cost. And opportunity cost comes with pain that teaches markets lessons. And right now, the people who control the money don't have any negative repercussions for their decisions. And honestly, I tell you, this is what drew me to Bitcoin initially. And I think a lot of conservatives and libertarians would look at it and say, wait a minute, like there's only 21 million of these things. And, uh, you know, the government, the media, the only way they ever talk about Bitcoin these days is to tell you what percentage it's down from 69,000. It's totally meaningless. Um, but when you look at the trajectory long term, all the things they talked about at the beginning uh, when it comes to scarcity and it comes to uh, this government spending like it is in printing money has come true. I mean, and, and it continues to get worse and worse and worse and worse. And I think uh, there's going to be a, a lot more to write on the price of Bitcoin going further. Um, Marty, I'd love to have you back on to talk more about this, um, but we're out of time. Uh, Marty Bent is the founder of TFTC and co-founder of Standard Bitcoin. Look, if you're thinking about this, it's a good time to look at it. There's still a lot to come for Bitcoin, uh, despite what the media seems to say. Marty, thanks so much for coming on the program. Stu, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, you think about real estate, for example, and you never know what's going to happen with the market. It's tough to time. You know, long term, though. It's, it's, a, it's a good thing to invest in. Uh, and that's been something that has been true for uh, quite some time. And I think Bitcoin is similar in that way. You're never going to time the market exactly. But what you can do is make sure when you're buying real estate, when you're selling real estate, you can have the best experience possible. And for that to happen, you need the best real estate agent possible. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to find that person. Uh, they work with only the best agents in every market. They do their homework. They talk to every agent before inviting them to join the network. And uh, they only work with full-time professionals. Just give them some basic info. They will reach out to you. They'll contact you and walk you through the entire process. It's easy. It's also free, by the way, to you. Uh, so why, why not? Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to find the best agent in your area. Don't forget it. Realestateagentsitrust.com. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Yes, it's always an important question. How is Alexandria a victim today? Because the defining characteristic 
of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is not that she's liberal, it's not that she's a socialist, it's not even that she's incredibly annoying and stupid. And no, it's actually that she just constantly sees herself as a victim, no matter what is going on. Latest example is on the Twitters. She's saying she might have to leave Twitter. I know, I'm very disappointed as well. What would it be? without her. Why? Because of this exchange between uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez parody account and Elon Musk. Uh, AOC's parody account said, this might be the wine talking, but I've got a crush on Elon Musk. And Elon Musk responded with the fire emoji. Yes, I love talking about emojis. It makes me feel really like I've come to a high place in my career. Glad I've worked this long to get to a place where I get to say fire emoji on television. But I will say this, uh, AOC was very offended. Now this wasn't a meaningless, silly exchange between a parody account and a person, no, no. AOC has to see herself as much more the victim of that. It's terrible, it's attacking her, it's awful. Here's what she said. FYI, there's a fake account on here impersonating me and going viral. The Twitter CEO has engaged it, boosting visibility, is releasing false policy statements and gaining spread. I am assessing with my team how to move forward. In the meantime, be careful of what you see. Now, it's bonkers because, uh, of course, this exchange where AOC uh, is saying that she, she's in love with Elon Musk is obviously not true. It's obviously parody. In fact, let me just show you. This is what the parody account looks like. It, the actual account is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez press release parody is in the title, and then in the little statement below, it says, saying the quiet part out loud, parentheses, parody. It also has a blue check mark and not the gray check mark that's applied to government officials, but all that is uh, too complicated for AOC. I will also point out that AOC has multiple times accused people of wanting to hook up with her falsely. I remember Ben Shapiro was one of the people she did it to, a couple of others, if I remember correctly. Every time someone disagrees with her or wants to debate her, she just accuses them of having a crush on her and wanting to have sex with her, which is just weird and strange, and I don't get it. I mean, I don't know. Some people think AOC is attractive. I, I don't see it myself. Maybe she's just so annoying that I just can't get past it. Maybe if she was a Philadelphia Eagles cheerleader, I'd find her attractive. I don't know. Maybe it's just the stupidity uh, and, and the incredibly cringy voice that, I don't know what it is. It's something like that. But what I will say is that you shouldn't think about any of those arguments at all. Just think about how victimized AOC is today. Hey, hey, what do you say? How is Alexandria a victim today? So what would happen if, let's say, the global medication supply chain of antibiotics just kind of went away? What would you do? Probably I'd break out in a bunch of rashes. I don't know. Most of our medicine in this country is manufactured in places like India and China. We've seen supply chain issues that have taken such a be you know, beating on our economy over the past couple of years. So what do you do if something like this happens? What if you're someone you know or love needs antibiotics? and there aren't any around. Well, you better have some, and you can have some with the Jace case from Jace Medical. It's a great way to keep yourself prepared for the worst. It's a pack of five different courses of antibiotics that you can use to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, things like respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, and a whole lot more. It's a great way to be ready for shortages, and it's perfect for traveling. Don't get caught unprepared. Go to jacemedical.com and enter the code STU at checkout. J-A-S-E, medical. Dot com. The code is Stu and save. It's the Jace case from Jace Medical. 
Axios has a fancy graph out about uh, your Memorial Day weekend. Did you buy a bunch of stuff for a cookout? We had a little cookout. You know, that's what happens on Memorial Day. It's a lot of fun. You spend time with the family. Of course, you remember the more important things uh, as the top priority, but you also wind up stuffing your face with a bunch of food. Now, the graph is going to measure uh, inflation over the past few years on a bunch of Memorial Day staples. And it's uh, stuff like pickles and relish, bread, ground beef, and hot dogs. And a couple things I want to highlight here. If the Biden administration were to release a graph, they would release only beef and they would show the last two years because it was way up in 2022 and it looks like it's way down in 2023. But it's important to understand that they would probably also ignore pickles and relish, which is up 14 percent this year. What's important to understand, though, is how inflation builds on itself. We were just talking about this uh, with Marty Bent earlier. These things just get out of control and you don't even notice them anymore. So just give, give me those graph. Give me that graph one more time, if you would. Um, the relish, if you start out in 2019 with spending a dollar on relish, that would go up to $1.05 in 2020, up to $1.06 in 2021, up to $1.17 in 2022, and up to $1.29 in 2023. So you're up 29% on their cost on pickles and relish over that time. And you can see that's the one that skyrockets, right? So, wow, that's, uh, it's a huge deal. And you might say, well, what about the beef? Because that's the one that dropped two full percent this past year. What about that story? Well, that story is a little bit different, but here's the result. If you spent a dollar on beef in 2019, you spent a dollar ten in 2020, a dollar eleven in 2021, a dollar twenty-eight in 2022, and that big drop gets you to a dollar twenty-six in 2023. Bottom line is, these things have built on each other over the years. So now, even though those graphs look completely different, you're spending about 30% more on basically everything on this chart. And that's an incredibly high amount. It's not supposed to work that way. It's supposed to be 2 to 3% per year, which maybe gets you to 8%. Uh, instead, we're doing 30%. And the problem is, when things go up and things go back to normal and we start going up with only 3 or 4%, if that time ever comes again, it will be building on these high numbers, these numbers that are already 30% higher. It keeps feeding on itself and feeding on itself over and over again. And that's the main problem. Don't forget about that. Don't let them brag about their prices being down because they're not down. They're way, way up. Okay, so here's what happened. Uh, I like ice cream, as you can tell. Um, but I don't think I would eat this. This is the most expensive ice cream. It costs $6,696 per serving. I mean, this is ridiculous. And I feel like they use some of the gimmicks to get the price up, like putting gold flakes on it. Uh, but apparently it has a very rare truffle uh, that is $6,905 per pound. It has cheese, and I don't know what else is in this thing. It does not sound appetizing at all. I was surprised to see uh, a full endorsement, though, by uh, Nancy Pelosi. Uh, if you look at her freezer, there it is next to the Jennings. <laughs> look at look at Nancy. Nancy is legitimately Lady Caroline from uh, from Succession, the kid's mom. I mean, she <laughs> that is 100 percent who she is. Uh, in, in almost every way possible. All right, blazetv.com slash do is a place to go to subscribe to Blaze TV. We do hope you get on and be part of the team. You can also follow the show on YouTube as well. We love when you do that. If you drop a comment below, we would love to hear it. Uh, this one deals with so much going on. This is from Kim. She says, the best solution for boycotts and for the vast majority of people being in debt is simple. Buy less crap. How dare you, Kim? This is America we're talking about. 
I mean, that does seem like really good advice, but we're not supposed to take good advice in America. So we're, of course, going to ignore that wonderful advice from Kim. We'll see you on tomorrow's program. BlazeTV.com slash Stu.